it's great to uh, be heading towards Christmas and uh, and also all our Christmas services. So uh, just uh, we, we have a note of them all out, but they, they'll all be happening in the next couple of weeks. And uh, particularly next week is is got a big focus in terms of our, our carol service and in terms of our nativity and various other things. And I'd really encourage you to invite people along to these services. Uh, people are open to come at Christmas to church in a way that they aren't usually at other times. And it's just a great period to share our faith. One of the, the, the great things about Christianity is, is a global faith. It's in most of the nations of the world. And, and as a church, we've decided to focus on the persecuted church because in many places, Christians are being persecuted. How, how many of you are Nigerian, by the way, uh, here this morning? Look, look th these people come from a country where more Christians are killed than all the other countries put together. Just to think about that, we have the privilege of worshiping with Christians who are, exist in a country where that's like, I know that's uh, in, in further north in different parts, but that, that shows just how global the dimension is. And, uh, and as a church, we, we, we ask that as we come to Christmas that we, we think less about ourselves and we also focus beyond ourselves to that world. And, and, and this year we're supporting Open Doors Christmas Appeal, which is uh, focused on the, the Christians in Ethiopia. And, and again, who are going through similar persecution. One of the ways that Christians are persecuted isn't necessarily you always get shot or you get arrested, sometimes it's just you don't get any social benefits. You don't get to go to school. You don't get to be part of a society and you get excluded. And that's a very powerful way in which people are, are, are impacted in terms of their faith. Uh, some of you know I, I occasionally teach church history and uh, the, the, people think that Islam spread through the world by threatening people and saying convert or die but actually that isn't how Islam spread uh, they just said we'll give you a tax break if you become a Muslim and it spread throughout North Africa and the rest of the world that's how they did it, taxation so there are different ways that persecution occurs. And in Ethiopia, if you're a Christian, you will be excluded. And so you have an opportunity this Christmas to help support those who are being excluded in some way within Ethiopia because of their Christian faith, disadvantaged socially because of the faith. And that's what we're going to do. So so I'm uh, asking next week, um, just maybe downsize some of your Christmas presents. We spent way too much anyway. Uh, I don't know if we still all got as much money to spend anyway on Christmas, but we spent way too much money. Let's do something concrete to make a difference in the world. You know, as Christians, we are about that. And, and surely Christmas is all about the impact and the difference that faith has in terms of the world. Yesterday, I was, I was privileged and, um, uh, to, to be at Glasgow Cathedral. And uh, if you think it's called an SBC, you should try the cathedral, just to say. And uh, I, I was there as part of, uh, I was the Baptist representative and amongst all these other different groups, all these archbishops of the Catholic Church and uh, patriarchs from the Eastern Orthodox Church and various other things. And I was there in the cathedral to take part in a service run by a group called the Friends of Holy Land Trust. And uh, you may not know this, but Glasgow is twinned with Bethlehem because they have quite a lot in common. 
and uh, <laughs> mainly in terms of underage pregnancies. But anyway, you better not go there. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> and uh, and it, it, it's twinned, and, uh, and, and as we were part of the service, we, we were meeting on video, so the service was half in Bethlehem and half in Glasgow, so we were, we were kind of video linked up, and uh, there was all these different groups, all these, again, patriarchs of Dioceres uh, and all these other different groups that were meeting there, and, and, and began to hear some of the stories in, in terms of the Holy Land. You know, this morning, and, and it just blows me away as I think about this, but this morning in northern Gaza, there are Christians who are meeting. This morning, they're meeting in their churches, and they're not sure if at any moment a bomb is about to blow through their churches made in America with UK guidance systems because somebody thinks there may be a Hamas base underneath their church. You just think if we were doing worship this morning in that context, there are people doing that this morning. You know, uh, this week, the, the UK government abstained in a vote in the UN. The rest of the world, and I mean the rest of the world, bar the United States of America, understood that to allow hundreds of thousands of people to suffer a humanitarian disaster is immoral. And that really we shouldn't be party to that. And the UK and America are the only people who can't seem to get that there's a problem with that. Just think about that. And, and this isn't about political divides. This is about humanitarianism, to allow that to persist. And Christians are suffering in the midst of that. You see, in terms of the Holy Land, there are other persecutions that are happening with the Christian communities there. People don't realize, but in Israel, there is a vast Arab-Israeli community. 20 to 25% of Israel is Arab. It's not all Jewish. It's Arab, and they're Muslims and Christians. And, and many of them, as they meet this morning, are terrified as they meet as Israeli citizens in as Arab-Israeli churches. Worried. See, what's been happening in the Middle East, and it's not just been happening over the last few years, been happening over a prolonged period of time, is there has been a massive displacement of the Christian communities that have been part of that region of the world. And these are churches that are ancient. The, the people that I was praying with yesterday in Glasgow Cathedral from the Holy Land, all these patriarchs with all these fancy names that I can't even pronounce, you know what, they are part of churches that are thousands of years old to go back within 100, 150 years of the birth of Christianity. The church in Palestine, that church, those churches that were seen bombed in Gaza, date to the second and third centuries. Christianity has been present and amongst those people. And over the last few years, over the last decades, we've actually seen a vast displacement. I saw this in northern Iraq when I went just before COVID. And uh, I, I visited uh, the, the Nineveh Plain, as it's called. It's an area around Mosul in the north of present-day Iraq. And uh, almost three million people lived there. Uh, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Christians, complete villages that were Christians. And then ISIS came and overran that region. And for three years, ISIS predominated on the Mosul Plain. And just after as those areas were liberated from ISIS, I got an opportunity to go and visit. 
but village after village after village was decimated and some of them will never be inhabited again and as I say those Christians have been there for a very very long time and anybody who has opportunity any Palestinian any Iraqi anybody who gets the opportunity to go to America will do it I remember again on my, when I was last in Lebanon, uh, I was talking to folks in Lebanon, you think we have a, a refugee problem. Lebanon had a horrific refugee problem. Uh, almost uh, more than half of its population was now migrant that had come across the borders from Syria and Iraq. And, and as I talked in Lebanon, they were really keen for the northern Iraqis to stay and for the Syrians to go home because the northern Iraqis were Christians and they would increase the Christian population in Lebanon. But again, it was the displacement of these people in terms of Iraq. It's interesting, those people in Iraq are, are, are some of the descendants of the Magi that we read about here who come to worship Jesus. And they, the, the story that we find in Matthew 2 is all about the East coming to acknowledge Christ as Lord. Uh, the, 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 you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out that the story of Luke and the story of Matthew in terms of the birth of Jesus are very different. Although we conflate them in our nativities, they actually are very, very distinct stories. And, and Matthew's story is told from an Eastern perspective. It's told, not thinking about Romans, but thinking about the Eastern powers that are there. Luke's gospel is told thinking about the Romans. And, and actually, it's showing that Jesus' birth was in the middle of a, a political dynamic that was going on. Christianity is political. And, 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 uh, and, and these two superpowers, what used to be the Persian Empire is now called the Parthian Empire, and, and what was the Roman Empire. And these two superpowers, everything was dominated around them. And right in the middle of this was ancient Palestine or Judea. And there it was in the midst of these superpowers. And of course, navigating between these superpowers was a challenge for the king of that country, uh, who was King Herod. He, had to, he, he didn't want to fall out with the Persians or the Parthians, but he also wanted to keep in with the Romans because they were keeping him in power. And, and so there was this careful balancing act. And, and the truth was that those who were oppressed in Israel, those that wanted to get rid of King Herod, they actually looked to the east. They looked to the Parthians. There were prophecies that said the Parthians would rise up, and if a king came, the Parthians would arrive and deliver them from the Romans. And so there was a real expectation that there would be a revolt that would happen, and the Parthians would put all their political weight behind that uprising. Not unlike today in terms of some of the dynamics. The, the people who ran the, the Parthian Empire were, well, you had kings, but you also then had these regional advisors who were called Magi. And, and Magi were like politicians, but not like we know. Sort of imagine Harry Potter and Parliament, and you're kind of getting towards what a Magi was. We get our word magician from the word Magi. And, uh, and, and the reason we, we, we get that word is the, the, the idea, the, the concept of witchcraft actually originated in that part of the world. The concept of magic um, 
J.K. Rowling made a lot of money out of it, but she got it from northern Iraq, uh, from, from the idea of the Magi. And, 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 and the Magi believed that there were forces, uh, unseen forces in the world, and that you could use certain words and certain formulas, and you could release those forces. And you could release those forces either for good or for bad. I know you're all going to watch Harry Potter over Christmas, so you'll know where it comes from. Actually, it's the same plot in Star Wars as well. And so when it talks about magi coming to visit Jesus, we're talking about people who were from a very different background, a very different context from the one that we know in terms of Christianity. But Matthew's telling us the story to say that people that were political, people that were involved in what we would probably recognize as the occult these days, actually the gospel was big enough to include them. And they were invited and they went out looking for this king. They, they, uh, one of the things the Magi did was they read the stars and they believed that the stars predicted the events on earth a bit like modern day horoscopes which thinks you can read the stars and work out what's going to happen on earth and that's what they did and um, we're not entirely sure what it was that they saw if if you gave me money um, in 7 bc there was a, a conjunction of of jupiter and saturn the two stars came together and they went into retrograde, so they stopped and then they started going backwards, which is a very unusual thing to happen and, and, and would have been read as a significant, a highly significant event. And it may have been that event that kicked off the Magi. And, and they started to travel to find this new king. But of course, their arrival in Herod's domain wasn't, oh, this is a nice Christmas story. This was politics. Suddenly, these guys from the east are coming to look for Herod's successor, who's been born in Bethlehem. Now, if you're Herod, this probably doesn't fill you with wonder and awe, because you're in a political reality. The coming of the Christ is impacting that reality. The coming of the Christ signifies something that impacts the political realm that Christ comes into. And, and, and he is perceived as a threat. See, a, a lot of times people think that Christians are persecuted for what they believe. But they're not persecuted for what they believe. They're persecuted because they seem to be a threat. In North Korea, why are they persecuted in North Korea? Because they seem to be a threat to the regime. Because they understand that what Christianity says will radically challenge totalitarian government. Because it stands as something different in the midst of the expression of the political realities of that world. You know, one of the tragedies of the church in this country is it has become so inane in terms of its political voice. Where is that voice? Anyway, that's another rant. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the political realities is that the persecuted church is persecuted because they represent a threat. They call for transformation to the regime. They, they, you know, in Acts, they said these Christians have turned the world upside down. The Romans got it. They recognized that there was a threat. 
In Luke's gospel, we're told that Jesus was crucified because they said they're proclaiming a king other than Caesar. There was something radical in the message of Christianity, and, and it was a threat. I remember uh, when my, my children were yo younger, we went on holiday with my parents to Turkey. And uh, it, was, it was a fun beach holiday, but in the, in the, the stadium in Ephesus, the ancient city of Ephesus in the theater there, there was a Christian rally and we went and attended the Christian rally and it was brilliant to meet with all these Christians from all around the world meeting in Ephesus. And then on the, the Sunday, we decided we would go to church in a place called Izmir, which was a city up the coast, and we would go and worship with the Christians there. And we went up and I took all my family and all that, we're going off to church, yay. <laughs> and we arrived in this hotel, it was very nice and things, and we, we started to worship, just like we did this morning, doing the stuff we do. We read the Bible, we prayed, we listened to a talk, we did that. And I noticed there was these guys sitting at the side, and uh, uh, they had walkie-talkies and things and lots of keys. And, and initially I thought, oh, they're hotel security. Then as the service began to go on, it dawned on me. They aren't uh, hotel security. They're police. They're here to monitor everything that's going on. And they were visiting, videoing us. And, and they were videoing my kids. And they were videoing us as we walked in there. And, and, and suddenly the whole dimension of that experience changed in terms of that service. I, I remember three things. One, I couldn't get out of there quick enough. That's how brave I am. And, and I took my kids to McDonald's across the road. I know I shouldn't have, but I did. Uh, and I took my kids to McDonald's, and we had a McDonald's. And I sat there and just thought about the reality I'd experienced in that hotel and the reality sitting in a nice American restaurant or franchisees eating McDonald's and thinking about the contrast of the experience. But the other thing that struck me about it was, you know, the, what we did was so ordinary. What, what possibly could be a threat here? In fact, uh, I heard, thankfully, we weren't in Istanbul because their sister congregation in Istanbul, they arrested everybody that day and took them all into detention, including all the Westerners and everybody. So I was glad I wasn't in Istanbul for that service. But thirdly, I began to understand, you see, the government sees these Christians as a threat. At the time, the Kurdish movement in eastern Turkey was very strong and the Kurds because of the ancient connections to the ancient church had Christian connections and, and the involvement of Christians is seen as western involvement in the life of the nation and it's seen as a threat to national security so coming and calling Jesus Lord is a threat to us and, and here the birth of Jesus is perceived as a threat and, and uh, Herod invites the Magi to go and do his dirty work for him. He says, go and find him and then come back and report the situation to me. And, uh, and, and I mean, it, it's hard to envisage for us, but just imagine that you weren't sure if the person you were sitting beside this morning wasn't a member of the secret police. They weren't going to observe what you were doing. Maybe even surreptitiously take photographs. And that would then affect your advancement in your career. You might lose your job over it this morning. Or you might find your kids being taken off you by social services. Or you might find your benefits suddenly being stopped. 
or you might find yourself being disadvantaged educationally. And you don't know if the people beside you are going to report you. Imagine that experience. And that was the experience that Herod was reflecting how these political powers wanted to suppress what was happening with the Christ. The Magi came and they worshipped Jesus in the midst and in the context of that political situation. And it said that they discovered joy. They discovered the wonder of joy. You know, I find it amazing whenever I visit these places. I find it amazing that this morning in the midst of Gaza, that there are people who will still worship Jesus in the midst of that situation. I find it amazing that when I went back to northern Iraq, I found people who would gather on the Sunday mornings and worship in these villages. Despite everything they had gone through, despite everything they had lost, they would still worship Jesus. I remember talking to one of the Christians, and they said to me, you know, we've survived every single invasion through the last 2,000 years, and we will survive this. And, and that sense of Christ will triumph. And in the midst of that, discovering something of the joy of worshiping Christ. Do you know, whereas a church, as we've decided to stand with the persecuted church, it, it, it makes me feel incredibly proud and privileged. You know, that we are going to stand and we say, you know, we are going to stand with the people. And, and you think you've got it tough. You know, you think your life's hard. Oh, I had a terrible week. You know, somebody got upset with me. Or, you know, I got an email or my boss is in a bad mood or my kid got a cold. I had a tough week. You haven't had a tough week. You've not had a tough Christmas. And we get to stand with the church of Jesus Christ and proclaim that Jesus has come to challenge the political powers, to transform this world, to be light into darkness, to bring about that transformation. And we get to proclaim the joy in the midst of whatever we experience of knowing the reality that Christ was born in Bethlehem. I'm going to ask that we watch a video. It was shared yesterday at the, uh, in Glasgow Cathedral. It, it was done by the Friends of Holy Land Trust. You can get it online. Um, and um, I just thought I would share it. It's obviously reflected in terms of what's happening in Gaza at the moment. It was done by some Palestinian students in the UK, and, and they just sung about Bethlehem and about Jesus and about the reality of that in terms of our faith and the political realities of our world. <laughs> 